0: Hello and welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Catechism Saturday, number 28. So this is Lord's Day from the Heidelberg Catechism, number 28. We will be going through question answers, number 75 to 77. And real quick, before you start this episode, if you guys have not yet listened to Monday's podcast with Dr. Gerald Bray, of Beeson Divinity School, he talked about the attributes of God, and Thursday we had Dr. Craig Carter speaking about his book, Contemplating God with the Great Tradition, published by Baker Academic. So we had a lot of episodes on God, the Trinity, an orthodox understanding of both with tandem with our great tradition. So please listen to those and then start this episode. So we have question answers 75 to 77. The first two are a little bit shorter. The last one will take a little bit longer, but still we'll stay about 15 minutes. So question answer 75. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? Answer, in this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him with this command he gave these promises first as surely as i see with my eyes the break of the lord broken for me the bread of the lord broken for me and the cup given to me so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross second as surely as i receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord as sure signs of Christ's body and blood. So surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood. And here's the sign. It's his exposition. It's a little bit shorter. He asks, what is the Lord's supper? And he says, the Lord's supper is the breaking and eating of bread and drinking of wine according to the command of Christ. Given to all believers, that He may by these signs declare that His body was broken and His blood shed for them. that He gives them these things to eat and drink, that they may be fed unto everlasting life, and that He will dwell and nourish them and quicken them forever. And he asks again, what is the design of the Lord's Supper? And he says, it was instituted to be a confirmation of our faith, a public confession of our faith, a public distinction that the church may be known and recognized in the world, a bond of love, and the people of God be united together in the congregation. And what does the Lord's Supper differ from baptism? In our rites, in the signification of these rites, Baptism is done with water, the supper with bread and wine. The design peculiar to each baptism is a sign of the covenant, the supper as the preservation of the sign. The manner of their observance baptism requires regeneration, the supper an examination of faith. The order of their observance baptism precedes the supper. The supper is observed repeatedly and baptism only once. Question answer 76. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood? First, to examine or to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to this sect, to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones, and we forever live and are governed by one spirit, as the members of our body are, w- are by one soul. And here's his exposition: the eating of the body. And the drinking of the blood of Christ is not corporal, which is bodily, but spiritual and embraces faith in his sufferings and death, the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life through faith, our union with Christ through the Holy Spirit, who dwells both in Christ and us, the quickening influence of that same spirit. So hence, to eat the crucified body, And to drink the shed blood of Christ is to believe, to obtain the remission of sins by faith, to be united with Christ, and to become partakers of his life, or to be made like unto Christ by the Holy Spirit, who works the same things both in Christ and in us. And the last one, question answer 77. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers By his body and blood, as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup. In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is quoting from 1 Corinthians 11:23 23 to 26. This promise is repeated by Paul when he says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And that's a reference to 1 Corinthians 10. And here's the exposition. The institution of the Lord's Supper establishes the true and saving communion of the body and blood of Christ. Ursitus then lays out the biblical texts that speak on the Lord's Supper. Matthew 26, 26, Mark 14, 22, Luke twenty two nineteen, 19, and 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. And a closer exposition of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, when he says, the Lord Jesus, he's the author of this supper. The same night in which he was betrayed. Or Sinus says, Christ instituted the supper at the last celebration of the Passover, to show there is now an end to all the ancient sacrifices and that he might excite his disciples and us to more attentive consideration of the cause on account of which he instituted the supper. He took bread and he says, this was unleavened bread such as they ate at the feast of the Passover when he had given thanks. And he says, because the typical Passover was abolished, and that which was true and signified was now exhibited and that the church had a memorial of him. He break it, he broke it. For the greatness of the sufferings and separation of his soul from his body, the communion of many with his own body in bond of their union and mutual love. For our comfort, for his body was broken for us as certainly as, as, certainly as we see the bread broken for us as well, that the doctrine of transubstantiation, which is the body and blood, Jesus himself is literally there, and consubstantiation, which is the body and which is the bread and the cup becomes the presence of Christ everywhere, may be rejected and abandoned. And he's more specifically talking about the Roman Catholic and Lutheran understanding of the supper. Take, eat, against the popish mass where the laity received nothing, that we ought not to be idle spectators of the supper, that the Lord's Supper ought not to be celebrated except where there are those to receive and partake it. That is a sign of grace on the part of God. This is my body. Christ took nothing but bread, as Paul says expressly, The bread which we break is not the communion, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The substance of the bread is the substance of the body, the sign of his body, the sign for the thing signified, which is for you. For my disciples, Jesus' disciples, and for your, for my salvation, and that of the whole church, is broken. For as the bread is broken in pieces, so the body and soul of Christ were torn from each other upon the cross. This do. This is the command for the observance of the sacrament, In remembrance of me, that is meditating upon my benefits, which I have bestowed upon you, in which the sacrament calls for your repentance or your remembrance. Drink ye all of this. Or says this is against the conduct of the Pope, who refused the lady the cup. This cup is the New Testament. The new covenant consists in a reconciliation with God and communion with Christ and all his benefits by faith in a sacrifice already offered without the observance of the ceremonies of the old Passover. The supper is the sign and the seal of this covenant, sealing unto us a reconciliation with God. And our, commun- and our union with Christ by faith is my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. The shedding of the blood of Christ is his merit in view of which we receive the forgiveness of sin when it is apprehended by faith. As often as ye eat this bread, this supper is therefore to be frequently celebrated. You do show the Lord's death. Believe that Christ died and that for you until he come. It's to be repeated until the end of the world. Then he ends by saying the communion of the body and blood of Christ is, therefore, to be made through faith partakers of Christ and all his benefits by the same spirit dwelling both in us, dwelling both in Christ and in us and affecting the same things in us. Which he does in Christ. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. Again, this is Catechism Saturday, Lord's Day number 28. We went through question answers 75 to 77. Please look forward to next Monday, this coming Monday, we will have Dr. Miles Van Pelt of Reform Theological Seminary in Jackson. He's going to be bringing us through Old Testament theology, and especially in relationship to Christ, how we view the Old Testament through the lens of Christ's finished work. And then Thursday's book club, we will have Drs. Robert Plummer and Dr. Channing Chrysler on their brand new book coming out with Lexham Press, Always Reforming, Essays on Martin Luther and his biblical studies method. So please look forward to those episode next week. We'll see you then.
1: Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world. And how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and after you rate and review or
0: instead of rate and review or... Doing everything all at once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face. This podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are, are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that.
1: It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing and, uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian <laughs> theology. Exactly. The
0: yeah. And you guys can find that link on Anchor, our official Anchor website. If you just go on um, our social media links, it'll it'll link you to that website. It's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes. If you're on this podcast, this specific episode, scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes, and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating. So we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap, pay for shipping, get nicer stuff,
1: all for the focus of spreading the gospel further. Yep. All for the kingdom of God. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys
0: next time.